Well, it's hard to believe that we're at this point. Mary Alice and I were talking, and I don't remember, Dale, when you had made a contact about coming here, but it seemed a long ways off, and now we're at the end of our time together. It's been a really um, blessing to our lives. I want to thank you for your friendship, your hospitality, the support that we've sensed from you in our time here. I really want to bless you in the work here. The uh, This morning, I think it was over 20 children over here, uh, it counted. I can't remember the number, but what a blessing. And I know that sometimes they don't sit as we'd like them to. Uh, Mike, I kind of was enjoying you looking around here beforehand. And, um, I just want to say that's okay. There's life. And I know we need to work at training, but we are blessed by children, and I want to bless you in that as well. And I know your lives are full and busy, but God will bless you for your faithfulness. So I trust that as we have in, we have attempted to encourage you, I want to say you have encouraged us. And don't give up. Sometimes it may feel like you're not getting, you know, where's the fruit? What's happening? But we don't always see that. It may be revealed over there. It will be revealed over there. But I reflect back and God as many times has showed us uh, uh, that he is working and he is faithful. And I said last night, Lester's were here. And so I think, Tristan, you weren't, when we stayed at your house, I know we overnighted that Saturday night, and you guys were maybe teenagers then. But so we come, and that's a number of years ago. And we're not old yet. I want you to know that. We're just a little, <laughs> I say older-ish. But to see the faithfulness of the next generation and the next generation, um, we are blessed by that. We sat across from Mike's parents last Saturday at, at Keystone, and also I serve on Olive Branch Board. So what a blessing to see you guys here tonight. And I know you've been on a journey, but we are. And so I, anyway, what a, that's the family of God. And that's, I trust we can encourage each other in that. And so I just want to commend you to the Lord and his grace as we go from here. Probably won't say much at the end. So again, it's been a joy and a blessing. And may he bless you. I did enjoy the song service, the thoughts of Dale as well. And we do want to focus, or our message tonight is just to kind of wrap, is to wrap up our thoughts about being focused on Jesus, what he's done for us. We looked at last night, this morning, what we have in him. And because of his work and because of salvation, we have what I call a blessed hope. And I've entitled the message, Eager Anticipation of That Blessed Hope. You can turn to Titus chapter 2, just a couple verses. But I want to thank tonight about that blessed hope and also then the anticipation, keeping that in front of us. And I think it was uh, Brent said in that song, we do have that focus forward. But as we journey through, keeping a focus on that blessed hope helps us to live our lives in holiness and carry out the will of God here. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 Paul, in writing to Titus, says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope 
and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a a peculiar people zealous of good works. Talks about that blessed hope, eager anticipation of that blessed hope. There was a very prominent uh, older man in town who, in, in this certain town, who was dying. And as he lay in his lovely house with the doctors around him, he was heard to whisper with a note of despair, I'm leaving home. I'm leaving home. Across that town there laid an elderly old woman who was dying as well. Her surroundings were meager. Her, her modest home contained only the bare necessities of life. She was surrounded by her loving family. But in her eyes there was a gleam. And she was heard to say, I'm going home. I'm going home. She knew where she was going. She wasn't leaving. She was going to her home. Are we leaving home tonight or are we going home as we look into the future? The Lord has promised his children, those who are covered by the blood of Jesus, those who are redeemed, a home in heaven. He's given to us a blessed hope. We have an eternity to look forward to. It changes our living here because of the future that we have to look forward to. Jesus told, Jesus told Martha at the death of Lazarus, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And so the child of God has the future of eternal life and not eternal death and damnation. We have the hope of eternity with him in heaven. Jesus said himself, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Uh, You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. He is coming back. He will receive his children to himself, whether we leave by death or whether we leave at his second coming. But we have the hope of heaven with him. We have the hope of a changed body. Paul wrote that our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change Our vile body. This fallen cursed body. Even though we are redeemed here. We still deal with the fallenness. Of the the human race. And we deal with the curse. But he says this vile body. Will be changed when we get over there. Oh what a day that will be. We also he promises us. To be over there with him in glory. Paul wrote to the church at Colossae. In Colossians 3. If you then be risen with Christ. Seek those things which are above. Um, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not on things on earth. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, is, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. What a day that will be. And, and John tells us in First John, he says, Every man who hath this hope in him, purifieth himself even as the giver of hope is pure. And so that hope 
That future hope, that hope that we're anticipating, changes us here, and it causes us to seek to follow Him, to be faithful to Him, to carry out His will, and that includes taking that message to those who do not do not know Him. But I want to think about the blessed hope, and then think about eager anticipation. What does that mean for us? I would believe that most of us here have heard about heaven. We've heard about heaven, the fact that we to get to heaven we need to be in Jesus Christ, the fact that we need to yield our lives to him so that when we leave this world, heaven will be our home. That concept of heaven has always been a part of us. And most likely our thought is that when we die, we will go to heaven in Jesus. And we will spend eternity with him. And we will go to that place, that city we talk about, that has mansions and streets of gold and a place of, of, of pure delight. But sometimes our concept or our thought is that, yes, we'll go to heaven when we die, but that will be when we are old. That's way out there. We will be able to live our lives to the fullest. Most of us do, but there are those who don't. But somehow going to heaven is sort of out there in the future. You know, when we're 15 years old, when we're 15, 40 is old. I remember when I when I turned 40 and I remember my concept when I was a teenager, a 40 year old man. I knew I'd, I didn't cut it anymore with the youth group. When we're 15, 40s old, you know, when we're 30, 60 looks old. When we're 50, 70 is old. Well, you're smiling, Ed. When we're 65, 80 is old. And you know, when we're 75, 90 is old. A number of years ago, we had a lady at church. She was over 100 when she passed away. And I'm not sure where, she was really close to 100. She lived alone up until the last six months of her life, and then she moved in with her with her with one of her sons. But she was right up there, and her word was that when I get old, I'm going to move in with my son, and she was right there. But the point is, old is always sort of out there. I realize, and we uh, in our congregation over the years, we did have many what I would say. People in their 80s and some in their 90s lived a good, good, a good old to good old age. They recognized that the end was near for them. But most of us, that's out there. That's out there. And God reminded the children of Israel in Deuteronomy, and you can turn, I want to read Deuteronomy uh, chapter 8, verses 6 through 18, just as a reminder to us. He said that when life is good, he said when you get to the Canaan land, but the idea was when life is good and full and easy in the sense that you've got a lot of possessions, beware lest you lose sight of the blessed hope. We live in a land that is rich and full, and you know what I mean, compared to many countries so well. He said this, Therefore, Deuteronomy 6, Thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive, of oil, olive and honey, 
A land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it. A land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he has given thee. And then he says, Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments. And his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, lest when thou, when thou hast eaten and art full, and hast built good, goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led thee through this great and terrible wilderness, Wherein with fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, when there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, and he might prove thee to do thee good at the latter end. And thou say in thine heart, My power and might and the might of my hand hath gotten me this wealth, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. For it is he that hath giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. And I realize that's Old Testament, but I believe living a good and full life makes it very easy for us to lose sight of that blessed hope. And we get our focus, our eyes off Jesus, and we begin to focus on the things of this world. I believe that when we get our eyes on Jesus, when we are redeemed and we keep him the center of our heart, we begin to walk in that blessed hope on this side of eternity. I believe that blessed hope gives our lives tremendous meaning and purpose. And we have a reason for, for being here. That blessed hope must be, but must be our focus of life. We need to keep our eyes on our eternal destiny and the one who has promised it to us. Because I believe if our focus gets on the goods and the things of this world, when we face difficulty and we face trial and we face circumstances beyond our control, we begin to despair and we begin to give up. But when we are focused on Jesus Christ, that blessed hope, it helps us deal With the difficulties of life on this side. Now I believe just about everybody who has a concept of heaven wants to get there. Recent polls would show that 80% of Americans believe that there is a place called heaven. Most of those believe that they're or they expect to get there when they die. You know they like the concept of heaven. We like the view of heaven, but many don't want to live their lives in a way that will get them there. The only way to experience that blessed hope and anticipate that blessed hope with true anticipation is to have our lives washed in the blood of the Lamb. Someone said we must get right and then stay right if we want to get to heaven We must have our sins covered by the blood. But in Christ, when we submit to him, we have a living hope. The hope of Jesus. The fact that we've been redeemed. We've been spared from the eternal punishment of death and condemnation. 
That hope changes everything about our living, about our approach on life, and how our, our, our outlook on life. We talked a little bit the other night about, is there any hope? You know, one of the darkest phrases in the scripture is having no hope. Paul said to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 2.12, saying to all of us, he said that, that at that time you were without Christ, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So to help us understand a little bit the blessedness of the hope we have in Jesus, let's think just a little bit more. We talked a little bit about hopelessness the other night. But it's hard for us to grasp the horror and the everlastingness of hell. Think about hell, eternal hopelessness. To be separated from God forever. Eternal suffering and torment. Jesus said in Mark 8.12, The children of the kingdom of this world shall be cast out into outer darkness, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In Jude, in Jude, verses 10 through 14, Jude is writing about those who are walking contrary to the will of God, those who will not submit to, that, to God through Jesus. And he says this, he says for them is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. That's absolute hopelessness. The blackness of darkness forever. The reason, one of the reasons that hell is so awful is because the presence of Christ and his righteousness is removed. In hell, there will be no Christ, no Savior, no light, no love, no kindness, no peace, no calm, no rest, eternal horror, the blackness of darkness forever. That's the place that's reserved for the unbeliever, the person outside of Jesus Christ. And without Christ, there is no hope. It's all lost, 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 utterly lost. Outside of Jesus Christ. And until Christ comes into our life. The reality of it is. There is no hope. And there is no future. But eternal damnation and death. That's why we see drugs. That's why we see drunkenness. Intoxication. That's why we see immorality. People trying to deal with the blackness of darkness. The hopelessness. That's why the suicide rate is so extremely high. I remember a number of years ago, there was a nightclub shooting. And I just read the account of one who was in the nightclub. And suddenly he said they were announcing, leave the nightclub. Run, run, and don't stop. Keep running, keep running. That's the that's the picture of hopelessness. Running, running, running. With nothing to run to, nothing to run for. There was a South America Indian who was saved, and he told a missionary who led him to Christ. 
He said, when we were in the jungle, we, we, we never lived a day without fear. When we woke up in the morning, we were afraid. When we went out of our houses, we were afraid. When we walked along the river, we were afraid. We saw an evil spirit in every stone and every tree and every waterfall. And when night fell, fear came into our huts and slept with us all night long. That's what paganism is. That what, that's what being outside of Jesus Christ is. That's what being dealing in the evil in the spirit world is. And that's what many in our world are living with and like today. No hope. Fear. The blackness of darkness forever. But for those who are washed in the blood... There's the promise of that blessed hope. Eternity with him forever. And you know, that blessed hope that we look forward to also promises us and brings to us his presence here now. And so as we are on this side of eternity, we begin to experience elements of that blessed hope as we walk with him here And nothing compares to the hope of Jesus. This hope that Jesus gives to his people and gives to us just impacts our daily living. It gives us confidence in life. We're moving closer to God. We're moving closer to the day of fulfillment of that great promise that he has given to us. Hope hope brings a sense of tremendous joy. We see Christ working in our lives as we yield our wills and our ways to him. And I believe the closer we walk to Jesus Christ, the deeper and the stronger our hope becomes in who he is and in the promise that he has given to us. Hope flows out of the fact that God has accomplished or has performed a great work in our lives when we were hopelessly lost and we were without hope. But now because of that hope, we have the promise of his second coming, the promise of spending eternity with him, with him in heaven, the promise that if we die before he returns, we will, we will be resurrected from the dead. We have the promise of the restoration of this fallen world and eternal reign with Jesus Christ. And listen, biblical hope, the promise of the hope that Jesus promises to us, it's not some pie-in-the-sky thinking. It is backed up by the promises of His Word. It is built on the foundation of the promises that God has given to us. It is hope that is connected to the power of what Jesus did on the cross and what He did when He came out of the rock and He arose from the dead. It flows, that hope flows from His shed blood and from His, uh, the forgiveness of our sins. That hope is revealed by the power that it took to roll away the rock and for him to come out. Hope, it's hope that's built in the fact that Jesus, the promiser of that hope, was willing to give his life to redeem us and buy us back. That hope is based on the promise that we will spend eternity with him forever. But why, we could ask ourselves, do many who claim to be Christian lack that hope? And I believe many times it's because they've taken their focus off of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And the minute we, 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 the minute our focus goes from the eternal, uh, the minute we shift, we shift from an eternal focus to an earthly focus, we lose the power of biblical hope. The minute we begin to focus on the things of this world, the hope of the Bible is sure. It's filled with an everlasting confidence that propels us towards the fulfillment of God's promises. We know that his word is true and he will do what he has promised us to do. God has never broken a promise. God has never never failed to fulfill something that he said he would do. And that gives us assurance in the hope that he has promised to us today. And that hope is promised In Jesus Christ. The true hope of Christ is eternal. It was promised to us. He said before the world was formed. The great plan of salvation was put into place. And that hope was promised to us. And it's eternal hope. It's an eternal hope. But it's also hope for today. And it's hope for tomorrow. It's a a hope that we can grasp hold of as we ponder the future. That everlasting dwelling place of God's people. An eternal home promised to us that's built by God. An eternal home that is safe and secure, paid for and waiting for us. It's an eternal home that is prepared with detail and prepared with love. There's a lot of thought. God has promised an eternal home and he's thought a lot about that home. It brings hope to us. And I believe the hope that comes to us through think through the promise that is given to us is hard or difficult for us to fully comprehend. Paul said, I have not seen nor ear heard. Um, Might as well that verse here. Neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But I have not seen, 2 Corinthians 2, 9, I have not seen nor ear heard. We really can't comprehend the hope of heaven. It's, it can't be pictured. John wrote in Revelation, and we are going to read the end of this message, some of that Revelation. But he couldn't describe it. And he would say, it's like as. It's sort of like this, but... I think he was saying it's really not, it's better than that. But heaven, as we think about it, is synonymous with beauty and comfort and peace, satisfaction and contentment. And you know, that list is all, are all uh, things that people long for in this life. Comfort, peace, satisfaction and contentment. And even as God's redeemed, because of the curse of this world, we don't always have comfort. There is, there is strife in relationships. And sometimes the things of this world that we have are not very adequate. Hopefully we can be content. But there's always there's, there's room for better living. But all of those things are something that is promised to us in heaven. You know, Jesus will be there. God will be there. All the saints will be there. Beauty will be there. It's going to be a place of absolute perfection. 
And so when we're on this side of heaven and we're in the, in the dealing with heartache and tears and pain and separation and trials and persecution, whatever those hardships may be, there is hope. We do not need to despair. We do not need to give up. He is here now, here, waiting to take us out of here to go home when the time is, is for that is to be done. Heaven, that place of beauty. Let's think a little bit about what's not going to be in heaven. Revelation 22, verse 3, he says, There shall be no more curse. Reading through the beauty of heaven, it's a number of years ago when I actually caught this. I mean, I've read it many times. But you know the curse being removed. When man fell in the garden, there was the curse placed on this earth. And so the things that we deal with that are what we would say negative, all of those things are a result of the curse And he says, there shall be no more curse. That curse will be removed and we will be back to the picture we have in the garden there before man fell. And what all that means for us in heaven. I assume it may be better, more beautiful than that. But the curse is removed. Something we need to appreciate and anticipate. The, The curse has affected everything. And he says it will be gone. It will not be there. No more curse. Revelation 21 verse 1 says there shall be no more sea. You know the sea, the ocean. It's kind of a picture of perpetual unrest. There's just constant moving. The sea is also a picture of division and separation. The sea has claimed Many a life. But he says there'll be no more sea. That perpetual movement of the ocean will be removed from over there. Verse 4 of Revelation 21 says, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. No more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. No tears, no death, no sorrow. No crying, no pain. Gone is heartache. Gone is the dying process. No separation. No cancer. No COVID. No loss of hearing. No blindness. No handicaps. No disappointments. No shattered dreams. No uh, misunderstandings. No uh, broken relationships. No disappointments. No hardship. Gone are the untimely deaths. Gone will be the financial pressures. No mental sorrow. The new Jerusalem will be painless and tearless and deathless. Because it will be a sinless city with no curse. He says the former things are passed away. They will be gone. Revelation 14.13 says, I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, 
that they may rest from their labors. Gone will be the work, the hard work of making ends meet. He says we'll rest from our labors. Maybe that means something else as well. But that will be gone. Many of you are right in that, the young families. You know what I mean when I say about making ends meet. Making it work out. But that burden will be gone over there. John said in Revelation 21, I saw no temple therein. For the Lord Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. But no temple. Because Jesus is the temple. And you know, every day, every day will be a Sunday over there. Or a day of worship. We don't need to go to the temple. We don't need to go to the church. It's all church in heaven. Gone will be the church buildings or the temples. The Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. They're going to be present in all parts of it in their fullest of glory. All temple because of Jesus Christ. They'll fill it with light. The splendor of their presence may be the temple, just that splendor. He will surround the city and sanctify it. Over there he will be the all in all, the all everything. No sun, no moon, for the glory of God did lighten it and the Lamb of his light thereof. And it will be perfect light. No shadows, no dark corners. No place to be afraid. The gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. No shut gates, no nights, no locked doors, but no nights. You know, nights can be so long in the midst of sorrow and difficulty. But he says, no night, no night. And he also says in 2127, There shall no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Gone will be sin, defilement, immorality, hatred, murder, envy, jealousy, on and on that list of sins we could go, but they will all be gone. Because there's no sin in heaven. Heaven is a place of absolute perfection. A place perfect and complete. And all the fallen things of this world will be gone. No sin. No fear. No suffering. No pain. No sickness. No sorrow. No tears. No sadness. No darkness. Heaven is joy without sorrow. Rest Without weariness. Think about, you know, sometimes we are very weary. And rest is so sweet when we are weary. But we're going to experience the sweetness of rest without weariness over there. Peace without strife. Victory without temptation. That's our future. That's a tremendous promise. That should be a tremendous motivation. It's a blessed hope. And are you ready 
for that day? Are you anticipating it? Are you eagerly looking forward to it? Or have you lost sight of it? I was about 10 years old. Uh, We lived on a dairy farm, didn't do a lot of vacationing. I think I was 10 years old. We decided to take two, two nights, I think it was three days. We went to Niagara Falls. And we did not, you know, there was no internet. There wasn't any of that stuff back then. And so we wrote, I remember someone wrote to the Chamber of Commerce, probably in Niagara Falls. I, and you know, they sent these little little brochures back. Um, made of the mist, cave of the winds, the cable car, the Skylon Tower, the, the Seagram Tower, I think it was. And they talked about the night light, the lights on the falls at night. And I remember... I just, I just ate them things up. I was fascinated by the destination. And I mean, that was, we anticipated that trip. I can list you all those places because I mean, I can picture the, the maid of the mist and the boat, the cave of the wind under the, behind the falls. I can almost see those brochures today. So excited about that trip. Fascinated. To be fascinated by, by something is to be held spellbound. By it, to have it capture our attention. And when, as we think about the future eternity, are we held spellbound? Are we fascinated by it? And you know, we can, uh, as your families, you may plan a vacation, a destination. It may be Niagara Falls. It may be a zoo. It might be a park, a museum, uh, a cabin. Uh, oh, you guys are in the mountains, so you don't go to the mountains, but. You, you may, you know, you plan. The, the, everybody's excited. Everybody's excited about this. And you begin your travel, and it may be several hours. And you know, as you get closer, it's been a long trip, you get a little weary. Maybe the traffic gets heavy, and um, or you're trying to follow Google, GPS, phone, whatever. And, you know, sometimes they do well, and sometimes they mess us up. And suddenly... Junior needs to go to the restroom and he needs to go now. And junior number two gets that uh, hunger pain and he wants food. And it's then you discover your wife put the food bag in the back corner of the van where nobody can get it without creating whatever. Junior number three decides to pull Kate's pigtail. And suddenly the fascination of the destination is gone. And dad says, if you guys don't stop, we're going to turn around and go home. <laughs> the past, I said the other night, the past looks better than the future right there. But you get the picture. Suddenly, that anticipation just becomes kind of convoluted because of everything happening. And that's sort of what I like to picture for us as we are, you know, we're saved, we're on the road. We, we are... Heaven has captured our attention. But suddenly those things of life that are a little bit like the children on a trip. And they're children. I understand that. Don't take that too far. But you get the picture. Suddenly we lose sight of that blessed eternal hope. And we focus on the pulling of the pigtails. Or whatever. And some of that happens in our churches. You said I was pulling pigtails. You understand what I mean? Suddenly we begin focus internally, dealing with those little mundane things in reality. But they get our focus off the fascination of the destination. 
And if we fail to stay focused, it may cause us to get lost. My challenge is, let us continually be fascinated and held spellbound by Jesus Christ and that blessed hope that he has promised to us. We must be careful, lest sin will cause us to lose our fascination. We must be careful, lest just the routineness of life causes us to lose that fascination. Or it may be busyness, or it just may be carelessness in our Christian walk. Don't lose sight of it. I challenge you to read the end of the book, the Bible. Read Revelation often. Live ready, prepared to go. Jesus said in Luke 12, He said, Let your loins be girt about and your lights burning, and be yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. They are anticipating him coming, and when they hear the knock, they know it's him, because they have not lost the fascination, the fascination of the destination. Are you eagerly awaiting? Are you looking? Are you ready to go? Eager anticipation of that blessed hope. First Corinthians 15, Paul ends it up something like this. He says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. And then the writer of Revelation I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. And he showed me a a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manners of fruits, And yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nation. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it. And his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, 
and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must, which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you that to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star and the spirit and the bride say come and let him that heareth say come and let him that is a thirst come and whosoever will let him take the water of life freely. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Are you leaving or are you going home? Are you eagerly anticipating his blessed hope? Are you ready to go tonight? came across this story years ago in the sword and trumpet. I fouled it. I like it. A writer who had occasion to travel in Italy described a rather unique experience. Here it is in his own words. I arrived at the place on the banks of Lake Como, the beauty spot of the Italian Alps. A gardener opened the heavy gate and conducted me through the exquisite garden. How long have you been here? I asked him. 25 years. And how often has the owner come to see the estate? Four times. When did he come last? Twelve years ago. He writes to you, I suppose. Never. From where then do you get your orders? From the store in Millen. Does he come here often? Never. Who comes then to look after matters? I am left pretty much alone. Very seldom do I see a stranger. Yet, you keep this garden in sp- in so spick and span and in such apple pie order that one would think you were expecting the owner tomorrow. Today, sir, today, was the old man's reply. Today, are you anticipating that blessed hope? Let's pray. Lord, what a blessed hope it is. But if we're not ready, may we become ready tonight. And if we're ready, may we rejoice in the promise. Help us to be faithful to the touch of your spirit. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.